WATD presents John Paul, the car doctor. All things automotive. Have questions? Call 781-837-4900. Now, here's John Paul, the car doctor. And good Sunday morning and welcome to another edition of the car doctor program on this, uh, I don't know, what is it? Jesse, what's a hurricane coming? What's going on there? You know, Jeez, apparently, I mean, there's no yeah. wind right now. I'm looking outside yeah. at the trees; they seem just fine. But apparently, it's going to be a 700 mile an hour winds. <laughs> there's going to be a cow blowing by. Yes. Yes. Finally. Yeah. Finally. Yeah. I've always wanted to see that, except in the movies, where the only place I've seen it. Uh, yeah. Well, I guess it is fall, almost winter, and you know we had. Our little burst of snow this week where we got, you know, a little bit. My uh, sister-in-law sent me a video from, uh, she works at Bridgewater State College, sent me a video of it's snowing just because she wanted to share the snow. Um, You know, so, you know, winter's on its way and you want to be prepared and you want to have your car prepared. And um, we have Wes Bowling from Nokian Tires and he's going to help educate us about a new ice grip symbol on winter tires. Did we lose, Wes? You underestimate me. Oh, all right. Wes, is that you? No? Might have lost him. <laughs> I spoke too soon. Hello, Wes. Okay. All right, fine. I lost Wes. Uh, okay. Well, maybe Wes can call right back. And uh, because he was there a second ago. Uh, let me know when he calls back, will you, Jesse? Um, so that's so that's what we have uh, coming up. We, we will be talking to West Bowling. Uh, something happened, uh, so he will call back. Uh, hopefully, he knows he's been disconnected, um, and he, we should get him back. He's back. All right, there, there we go. There we go. We we got now. We got to fire Jesse. I don't know. You know, I don't no, know what. No. It, yeah, you might want to fire man. me after Jesse's the show. The man. Don't- <laughs> well, anyway, uh, I started to say um, you guys have uh, want to help educate drivers about a new symbol on winter tires. We just kind of got used to the, the mountain. Now what's going on with winter tires? Right. So let's start with the symbol that we know. The three-peak mountain snowflake is going to be on the sidewalls of tires that are certified for driving in, at the very least, moderate snow. Right, so so you know you see that a symbol, then it's a good indication a tire's done pretty well in a snow traction test. But not all those tires are created equal, and so our industry now has come up with a new symbol, an ice grip symbol. And what that's going to do, it's going to tell you, hey, this is not just a tire that can perform pretty decently in winter. This is made for the extremes. It's got to pass an ice breaking test. It's a lot tougher. And uh, for folks up in the Boston area, it gives that extra peace of mind they're going to be safe in the winter. Well, and the difference between stopping on, on you know, I, and I'm going to make up a bunch of numbers, but, you know, you, if you can, you know, stop from 60 miles an hour on a dry road and, I don't know, 180 feet, on a wet road that might be 300 feet, and an icy road that might be like three-quarters of a mile. It can be significant. And we have some some direct data there that, I wish I had in front of me right now, but actually we'll compare that, that test. But the fact of the matter is, John, you know, we, we see all these auto commercials this time of year from all these car, you know, car makers trying to sell the, the, you know, the Christmas package and, and all that. And you see these cars 
in the commercials just cruising through snow like it's like it's nothing and they act like it's the car that's great at doing that and look four-wheel drive is great to have some of these cars are better than others but it always makes me laugh because i want to say what kind of tires you got on there because that's really the difference maker right it's it, the, the we give the car a lot of credit and the car deserves some credit for how it can perform in winter but the tires are the only part touching the road and i think people can lose sight of that and think ah four-wheel drive i'm fine Hey, it's called four-wheel drive, not four-wheel stop. And the tires really make the difference between an easy holiday drive and one that's maybe a little more dangerous. Yeah, years ago, and I don't remember whose commercial it was, somebody had a, I don't know, front-wheel drive minivan with winter tires on it versus a all-wheel drive SUV with regular tires on it, and they were both climbing the same hill, and the SUV got stuck. Yeah. I mean, think of it this way, too. You know, we have a dealer in Connecticut not far from you guys that, that likes to make the analogy that the tires are like, you know, they're like shoes. And they are. They're shoes for your vehicle. You know, would you go hiking in flip-flops? Would you run an Olympic race in sneakers? You know, it doesn't matter how powerful your legs are in those cases or how in shape you are. If the part of you that's touching the ground is not up to snuff, it doesn't matter. And, you know, technically, when we think about it, all-wheel all drive – if you're looking to accelerate on a slick surface, it's going to probably do better than two-wheel drive. It's going to give you more stability. But when you're stopping, you're stopping. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. And you, you know, those wheels are not in motion anymore, and you, you have to have that traction with the ground to stop safely. Uh, yeah, all-wheel all drive will get you up the hill. Coming down the hill, all the vehicles are the same, except for what kind of tires they have on them. And, and it kind of comes down to that. Now, Nokian tires, people may not be familiar with the name, but you guys were making ice grip winter tires a million years ago, right? Yeah, we are celebrating this coming year the 90th anniversary of the winter tire. We invented the winter tire. And for those who don't know where Nokia is from, some people you know, may think it sounds like an Asian name. No, we're from Finland. And we test tires above the Arctic Circle, actually a few miles away from what the Finns claim was the traditional home of Santa Claus. Uh, and we're north of that. So we are oh. north of the uh, of what Tins would say is the North Pole. And uh, so, yes, we invented the winter tire in 1934 because Finns needed an answer to surviving winter roads. And we've been in North America now since the late 70s, but really concentrated on North America for the last 25, 35 years. And so we are not a household name for a lot of drivers, uh, especially those who don't get a lot of snow. Uh, the example I give is that I live in Tennessee, and when I took the job at Nokian Tires, you know, my dad was like, hey, congrats, I bet it's going to be cool working for a Korean company. And I had to correct yeah. him and say, no, we're finished. But then my uh, my in-laws are Canadian. They live in Quebec, and they immediately knew, oh, my gosh, not only were they telling me how great it was that I was going to work for the inventor of the winter tire, but they were giving me the product pitch. So I knew right away that, that the household name, the marketing efforts are going to be a lot easier in the snow belt than maybe in the south because we have that history. And, you know, it's, it's important, John, I think, in, in anything in automotive to not just sit here and proudly claim to be the inventor of something. What are you doing to innovate? How are you leading the way? And we are among the first, if not the first, tire company to come out with tires that have this ice grip symbol because we want drivers to be ready for the extremes. And the tire that, um, when I was, I don't know, in my 20s, I worked for a tire store. And people would come in, and it was a Uniroyal tire store, but people would come in in the wintertime and want to put winter tires on their Saabs and Volvos. 
And they would come in with a unpronounceable uh, winter tire uh, that was Nokian, <laughs> the Hacka something or other. How do you pronounce that? Hacka Polita. Yeah, that one. That's the tire. And they would come in with that tire, and, and they'd go, oh, these are the best winter tires ever, you know, as you know, I'm standing there in a Uniroyal tire store. And they would say, you know, these, these tires were made for this car. They're, you know, I, I get the best traction with them. And I just remember those tires from, you know, a, a lifetime ago as being some of the best winter tires on the market. And, and that was, like I said, that was, that was a, many, many years ago. So, you know, those tires have been around for a long time. And like you pointed out, you know, you guys were the inventor of the winter tire. But now you're trying to, I think, more importantly, educate consumers about the right tire for the car, you know, whether it's, you know, whether it's a, a Nokian tire or not, but, you know, look at your driving style, look at what you're going to do and get the tire that's going to meet your needs, right? Absolutely. And there are a couple of different angles here to, to discuss. I mean, if you live in Metro Boston and you don't really go out, you're not going up to Vermont to go skiing very often, you're not entering hardcore winter territory um, then there might be an alternative to winter tires because winter tires, you, you don't want to drive year-round. You need to swap to those in the winter months, and that means having a set of, of all-season tires too. But there's another segment of tires a lot of people don't know about, all-weather tires. So it's a step above all-season. It's a year-round tire that's certified with that three-peak mountain snowflake that we talked about earlier. It does not have the ice grip symbol, not yet, but it's got that three-peak snowflake. So if you live in Boston... You want the same set of tires year-round. You don't think it's, it's reasonable to justify an extra set of winter tires. We also invented that segment 25 years ago, the all-weather segment, which is a year-round tire, but it's got that snowflake. It's a compromise option. Not going to last quite as long as a set of all-seasons, but you do not want to be caught on so-called all-season tires in snow or ice. They're just not meant for those conditions. And so that's the conversation we have with a lot of drivers. I mentioned Connecticut a few minutes ago dealer we have up there, 90% of the tires he sells are actually all weathers and not winters because his drivers live in metro areas. Roads are pretty well taken care of. But they want that stability when things are below 45 degrees, when they're a little slick in the mornings, when they do get that big snowfall, they're safe. Yeah, somebody somebody actually called me this week. They have, their daughter has a Subaru Crosstrek, good, you know, good winter vehicle, but she loves to snowboard. And she lives in an apartment outside of the city in Boston, and she doesn't have room to store an extra set of wheels and tires, and her cross trek's just about due for tires. So, you know, going to, like you pointed out, an all-weather tire rather than the all-season tire she has on her car now probably is a pretty good compromise. It is. And, you know, I wish that we as an industry could just get rid of the term all-season. Look, if you live in Florida... Great. All season. Absolutely. Not getting any snow down there. If you do, call me. <laughs> but <laughs> but living, you know, in a place like a you know, a city or you know, we saw a lot of all weather tires in a place like Denver or Salt Lake City, where the valleys are somewhat temperate. They're gonna get snow occasionally, but it's not gonna be insane. But when you're driving and visiting winter or you have winter visit you. Another example, our family. We live in Tennessee. But a couple times every year we drive up to Quebec and that winter drive can get pretty gnarly. And so on my vehicle, I have all-season or so-called three-season tires. We don't get much winter weather in Tennessee. But on my wife's vehicle, we have the all-weathers, the uh, WRG4s from Nokian Tires. And, and that enables us to 
drive these in summer heat in Tennessee where it gets above 100 a lot, but it also enables us to feel safe in January when we're up in Quebec driving in that snow. So it really is a compromise option. It's not for everybody. If you experience hardcore winter weather or you're frequently driving up into the mountains of the Northeast, I'm going to recommend winter tires for you. But if you're looking for that upgrade to all season and you say, look, I'm just going to need one set year-round, go all weather and not three season. Uh, let me get this right. So you chose to drive up to Canada in the middle of the winter time in January. Yeah, we have a toddler. We have a yeah. toddler. So it's still easier than easier than flying. At least uh, not not logistically, maybe, but but practically a little a little yeah. better. It's not ideal. Yeah. We've never had an issue. We yeah. drove through a snowstorm in Detroit uh, about this time last year. Got up at three in the morning to try to beat the weather. Uh, we beat most of it, but we had to drive through some pretty nasty stuff for a couple hours. And yeah. There was no slipping, no issues. It was great. Yeah, and as you pointed out, an all-season tire, which, you know, the majority of new cars come off the assembly line with an all-season tire, it's the same all-season tire that you're going to buy in, you know, Frostbite Falls, Minnesota, as you are in Orlando, Florida. It's not like it's not like it's not like anybody goes out and whether it's Nokian or Goodyear or Michelin, they go they go. You know, we're going to make a different all-season tire for Florida that we're going to make for Minnesota. They don't. It's the same tire. Yeah, it's the same tire. The product is the same. The use of the product is what has to differ. And right, you know, if if I lived in Minnesota, you better believe I'd drive the heck out of that all-season tire in the spring and summer. Uh, but I'd be ready, <laughs> right. you know, in October. As soon as temperatures go below 45 degrees consistently or go back above, that's when you want to make that change to winter. And we would certainly recommend anybody, again, who's going into any severe winter weather for any sustained amount of time, go ahead and make that switch to winter tires. And people say, ah, oh, you know, I can't really sustain the cost of two sets of tires. Now, storage is another issue. Obviously, I get that. But really, if you think about it, you're, you're, you're only – you're you're – cutting in half the wear that you're going to have on the winter tires and on your summer tires because you're only using them for half the year. So really it can be just as economical a decision as long as you have the cash flow to go ahead and, you know, spring for those winter tires. And, of course, I don't have to tell you, you know, if you have an accident, you know, heaven forbid you have your life disrupted either through injury or, or loss of property from, you know, an issue on the road with with the wrong tires, it's going to be a lot more expensive than just getting those those tires right off the bat. It's a great insurance policy to make sure you're riding on the right rubber. And riding on the right rubber, and like you pointed out, you're going to get you're going to get more life. And one thing that I've seen that is sort of interesting, and, and it was one of my coworkers was looking at, I don't know, it was some some model of a BMW. It was a it was a pretty good deal. Um, it wasn't super expensive because it I think it was like ten or twelve years old. And he was like, ah, I don't know. And the woman was pretty firm on the price. And then she said, Oh, by the way, I have this extra set of winter tires and wheels for the car. And that was just enough to turn the corner on the deal and say, oh, okay. Um, you know, oh, that, that all of a sudden made that car that much more appealing because of the extra set of wheels and tires, because it was going to be a car that they were going to drive year-round. One thing, and, you know, we're, we've talked about, you know, the winter tires and all of that. I think as we're, you know, a little off topic, though, um, Electric vehicles and tires, is there really a difference in EV tires than conventional tires? There can be. Uh, it depends on the implementation. It depends on the, on the tire maker as well. So, you know, what you want to get out of, out of your EV tires are the unique needs of, of EVs. And I, I have an acronym, um, WINTER, W-N-T-R. 
So EVs have added weight. Their battery packs are heavier. So you need a tire that can sustain that added load. In is noise. EVs obviously a lot quieter. The tire noise and the wind noise are your two primary noises. We can't do much about your wind noise, but you need tires that are going to help minimize noise on the road. T is torque. Faster acceleration means more strain on the tires. Can the tire handle that? And R is range. Can you get a tire that's going to maximize your range on charge? Those are the four requirements. Now, some tire makers are saying, look, we need to make all new special tires just for EVs across the spectrum. Others, like us, are saying, in winter, that's appropriate. We have two EV-dedicated winter tires, or Haka Polita studded and non-studded tires. The latest ones both come in an EV version that has foam on the inside of the tire that's going to minimize noise, going to increase your range. But all of our tires come with an emblem called electric fit, which means you know, we've been making these tires and testing them with EVs in mind for a decade now. You know, we're a Scandinavian company. We're near Norway, which is the number one EV per capita country in the world. So our tires have needed to be ready for EVs for a decade. And other tire makers are following suit. This is just a promotion for Nokia tires. This is what a lot of tire makers are doing. They're saying, look, we're making our tires with this added weight, noise, torque, and range in mind. And uh, so I think that is it's a question that's open to, for discussion in our industry. But every tire maker is really going down that, that road of, you know, thinking about what EV drivers are going to need. What you want to do is trust the innovators. Again, we're not the only ones, but we are among those who are saying we're going to be a premium brand that's going to dedicate more money, more time to R&D than others. And go with those guys because they're the ones who, who are really trying to be at the forefront of what EV drivers need. Yeah, I think well said. And you guys, like you like you pointed out, you're you know you're a Finnish company, but your tires are made here in Tennessee, right? That's correct. In all season and all weather, they are. Our winter tires are still made in Finland at our flagship factory there, right down the road from where we test them above the Arctic Circle. There is a lot proprietary there, and so we we keep making those in Finland. But our U.S. factory is making pretty much every all-season and all-weather tire uh, that we sell in North America. Dayton, Tennessee, in fact, we're doubling our capacity there this coming year. We hired 125 workers. and that, That's a good secondary story. For some, a primary story, John, is that, you know, hey, I want great tires, but I want some that are made in the U.S. And we were able to, to tell that story. And uh, I, I live two hours from the factory. Every time I go, I was telling our, our director of the factory, Recently, I feel happier about working where I work, and I love my job. But but even more so when I talk to those people who are paid very very well for what they do. They're given career advancement opportunities. They're passionate about the attention to detail of making those tires. So yeah, uh, any all season or all weather tire that you buy from Nokia Tires is made right here in the U.S. And you know that it, that's sort of interesting because uh, I was I was just bumped into somebody and we got talking cars and he was showing me his new Buick and. I said, oh, it's a nice car. I said, you realize it's like 94% made in China, right? And he goes, what do you mean? I bought an American car. I'm like, I said, look at the tires. And we even bent down and looked at the tires, and the tires said made in China. So the idea that you're buying an American product that's made in Tennessee, and up until, frankly, up until I heard of Nokian tires, I didn't even know where Dayton, Tennessee was, um, but it's a big plant down there. It is. We'll be making as many as 4 million tires a year there next year. Uh, going to be above a million square feet once we add a warehouse that we're currently about to finish. And it is. It's, it's a big employer in that area. We actually won best of the best uh, industry locally 
won a couple of awards for our culture, for our operations, got all the ISO certifications. And so yeah, it, it's a big economic driver in that area too. And it's really exciting to me. We had a, a journalist come in from Finland a few weeks ago and, and visit Dayton and, and tour the factory with us. And it's fun to see, you know, the tire world, the auto world, turn their attention at least a little bit to our little corner in Dayton, Tennessee. Uh, and the folks in Dayton, I can tell you, are really proud about that as well. And our uh, our colleagues that live there, that, that work there, that is also live there. I mean, 80% of our team is from within about 20 miles of, of the factory. And so they're really proud. This is not a job for them. Uh, this is more than that. It's a chance to grow their communities, grow their families. And uh, so it's been fun to see that growth story take place. And you, you mentioned you have a tire distributor uh, in Connecticut. Um if you know, are your are are Nokia tires available? You know, through you know places like Tire Rack and and some of the uh, internet based ones as well. Yeah, it depends on where you are. The best thing I would advise is to go to NokiaTires.com. We have a dealer locator. Folks can oh, okay. type in their zip code and see exactly who is near them. And I hesitate to call out any individual retailer here because yep. in the Boston area we have a lot uh, throughout the Northeast. That's probably our strongest footprint, honestly. In the U.S. and the Northeast and maybe parts of the Pacific Northwest. So there are lots of dealers um, in the Boston area, South Shore area that will carry our product. Easiest thing to do is, is just go online and, and look us up. You know, like where I am in Tennessee, it's a little harder to find. Uh, you got to go to a major retailer, but uh, in, in Boston, plentiful options. Again, NoKeenTires.com. We have a where to buy tab. You can go and look that up. We're going to be in most independent retailers in the Boston area. Good to know. And again, if people want more information, it's just uh, NokiaEntire.com, right? That's it. And uh, specific to winter, if they want specific winter insight, NokiaEntire.com slash winter legend. Uh, and even though our uh, our name, Tires, is spelled with a Y, our North American website is spelled the way you and I would spell it normally. So <laughs> NokiaEntire.com slash winter legend, folks can learn. Not just about our products. We want to sell tires. We also want to educate so that whatever tires you're on now, you can learn how to make the most of them in winter. Oh, good. And I and I just looked. I actually just went to the website and just looked. And our friends at Sullivan Tire, which is a you know big tire store, and interestingly, just uh, come the end of the year, is actually going to be an employee-owned uh, company. Now they're selling their selling or giving away or however they do that uh their company to their employees to run but uh yeah it looks like all of you know sullivan tire which a lot of people uh who listen to watd know the sullivan tire and auto service name so uh plenty of plenty of locations for them to go look for nokian tires so uh okay, Wes, so now that you now that you oh. mentioned sullivan i can tell you that was the name in my mind that i was gonna say and i didn't want to bias anybody unduly sullivan's great they're a great customer of ours they are outstanding, and yes, they carry us very prominently. Yeah. Hey, Wes, I want to thank you for taking a little time out of your Sunday morning and joining us on the Car Doctor program, and to you and yours, uh, happiest of holidays coming up. So, You too, John. Thanks for having me. And maybe somebody can get a set of Nokian tires under the tree for Christmas, huh? Hey, it's a great gift, a gift of <laughs> peace of mind and safety. There you go. Hey, Wes, thanks a lot. we got to get going. we got to pay some bills. That was Wes Bowling from uh, uh, Nokian Tires. Check it out at NokianTires.com. We need to take a break, pay some bills. My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. When we come back, hopefully we're going to be talking to you. Our phone number is 781-837-4900. And we have a bunch of odd questions that came in this week that uh, made me scratch my head a little bit. My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. We'll be right back. 
The Company Theater brings the most beloved fairy tale, Cinderella, to the stage this holiday season. The Tony Award-winning musical has delighted audiences for generations. Join Ella's magical journey as she discovers she has the power to create her own destiny. In the name of every girl who ever wanted to change the world she lived in, it's possible. Cinderella runs from Friday, November 24th until Sunday, December 17th. Visit companytheater.com for tickets or call 781-871-2787. AAA is with you at every moment in your life. They have 24-hour 7 roadside assistance, which covers you in any car you're driving or riding in, even a rental or your friend's wheels. They have great member rates on home and auto insurance, savings on travel, hotels and rental cars, and discounts on hundreds of your favorite brands. You're covered on and off the road. Learn more at aaa.com join. Tis the season for trivia on 95.9 WATD. Test your knowledge of Noel and win fabulous prizes to stuff your stockings this Christmas. Listen for the cue from Eddie the Elf all this week and be the 12th caller to answer Tis the Season trivia. Correct answers win gift cards from one of our contest's wonderful sponsors. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas at the station that packs the presents, 95.9 WATD. Make an appointment Sunday morning at 11 for John Paul, the car doctor, on 95.9 WATD. Now, back to the car doctor. And welcome back to the car doctor program on 95.9 WATD. Uh, Coming up in the next couple weeks uh, on Christmas Eve day, we're going to be talking uh, uh, to an author who wrote a book called Tales from the Garage. And it's all about... uh, it's all about some interesting stories you can you can learn about. Uh, next week, we're talking to somebody from Ford about uh, a system called Ford Pro, which helps businesses try to figure out the whole electric vehicle charging kind of thing. So we have that coming up. So we have, uh, let's see, what else do we have? And um, let's see, that's on the 24th. Uh, so we've got a lot of stuff going on right now. So, But right now, we have Dick in Plymouth. Dick, good morning. Good morning, John. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, you mentioned you had the cheapest trailer lights on the world because they were all open on the bottom, correct? Uh, that's what I said. It was. It's on the cheapest boat in the world, so it's a combination, yeah. <laughs> well, use, I think the new some of the new ones now, they, it's like a glass. You take an empty glass, you put it in the water, and the, uh, wa- the, the water does not displace the air. And then when you drive out of the boat ramp, and it, it's in the sun and everything, you have the... Uh, air going in there to take any humidity out. So they really don't leak. The bulb doesn't get wet. Uh, this one, the bulb gets wet like crazy. Um, oh, and, yeah, yeah. This again, cheapest, <laughs> cheapest boat, cheapest boat lights, uh, cheapest trailer, I guess. Yeah. So, um, but it it uh, because I hooked up uh, I hooked up the trailer the other day, which I rarely hook up the trailer lights because I I don't go anywhere. I go you know a hundred yards maybe, yeah. and um, I hooked them up. I was just curious if they all worked because. Uh, uh, I actually broke one of the lights a while back, and um, and the side that I broke still worked, but on the other side it didn't. And I took it apart, and it was the bulb was all just had a lot of corrosion around it. Yeah. So yeah, it sounds it sounds like a good idea, and it probably would have been a good idea if they gooped it with a little bit of uh, 
something to you know displace the water even if you know even if it was coated with which is what I did I coated it with some uh, some grease all around it so I, I um so I figured at least just a thin layer would keep the water off it and you know cuz I had all I could do to get the bulb out cuz it was sort of you know yeah. Yeah. corroded in place but um but yeah, you know, maybe someday, someday I'll go to LED lights or something that's, you know, that that are, you know, more made for that. But right now, that's just they, yeah, they they go left, they click left and right, and brake lights come on when I stop. So can't ask. And for I have a, I have a sister from Plymouth who's a car girl. She's always been in rallies, and she has a one of the new mid-engine Corvettes. She went. She moved back for, from California to Plymouth here two years ago. Yeah. She had the pleasure yesterday of going to – she's in uh, California visiting some friends. She had the pleasure yesterday of going to Jay Leno's garage. Wow. He has he has over 200 vehicles, and everyone is insured and registered. Yeah, he he has he has an amazing collection of cars, and they're what's what's kind of fun is they're not all, or maybe they are now, but they weren't all registered in California. Some were actually registered in Massachusetts because I think he still owns his parents' property up in like North Andover. Yes, he does. He, yeah. he does. He still has ties in Mass. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, so I had so another. He, how did she? How did she get in to see him? She knows some people in California. One guy, he's the he's a, like a costume designer. He does a lot of movie work, and we visited them probably twenty, probably thirty years ago. And we got into the Johnny Carson show. We actually got into see Sally Struthers with all in the family. We had a scotch with her in her dressing room. So she has a she has a lot of pull still. Wow. Well, because I've 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 known a couple of people who got to see it, and they said he's he's pretty interesting. He gives you like an hour or whatever t- amount of time, but he's like cordial, nice. But when your time is up, your time's up. That's yeah. what I've been well, told. He was yeah, just, he was just leaving to uh, the, something was picking up. He was just leaving to take a flight, so they did it without him. But there's no pictures allowed whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, I heard that, and. and yeah, and I guess he goes. He he flies out to Vegas every week to do, to do stand up. So yeah, you know he's yes, he, think, yeah still working hard. Yeah, and uh, I have one question though. On I bought a battery. I have battery tenders. I put it on my classic car every winter. I'm going to put yep. it on my diesel truck this winter. And the other directions say put the uh, the the negative ground not to the battery to the frame, but yet they sell a kit. With it it's to bolt on permanently, and that's that bolts to the battery on both sides. But yet, in the jumping too, they say the hot wire to the positive and the negative to the frame. But I think this is mainly for the old days when they used to have you had to fill your battery up all the time, and there was a lot of gases maybe coming from the battery. I don't think you have to worry about that anymore. No, not not really. And um, yeah, I mean that's it. They want to keep. You know they want to keep the chance of a spark not happening right on top of the battery, right. so, and that's the right. reason. That's the reason behind it. I mean, I have uh, this little this little uh, uh, boat. I have. I take the battery out for the season. A battery sitting on on the floor of my shed with the battery tender hooked up to the you know positive negative battery cable. Yeah. I mean, you post yeah. you know, yeah. and the same thing I have uh, you know on the car. I have that wired in connection. That I have it just attached to the positive and negative cables. So, um, so if my uh, you know if my wife 
wanted to use the car and it was still kind of tucked away with the battery tender on it, she just goes over, unplugs it, puts a little cap over the end, and off she goes. So you know, and yeah. and you're you know, the more you keep batteries fully charged like that. That's how it extends the life. You know, you can, you know, somebody who lets a battery cycle up and down, you go through, you can go through a battery pretty quick that way. But when you keep it fully charged, it's going to last a lot longer. Well, I've got eight years out of my uh, my first battery of my Dodge, and I'm, I think I'm on my eighth year on the second set, too. Yeah, well, so because because just, you, yeah, you're keeping them charged. Yeah. And just a quick other thing, that the, the fellow that got my sister into the Jay Yellow's garage, he's a tailor. He was on a flight years ago, and he was in a bar somewhere, and he met this woman, and she was going to a wedding, and her dress wasn't right. And she had the dress with her. He went in the bathroom, with, and they did the uh, work on the dress so it fit her. She passed away about 10 years later and left him a house up in Maine and all her cars and all her money. Uh, well, I guess that goes to show you that you know good, good deeds do work out somehow, right? Yes, yes. All right. All right, thank you, Jeff. All right, thanks, Dick. Bye bye. Yeah, bye bye. <laughs> well, there you go. Next time, uh, Jesse, can you sew? Nope. Nope. Well, I guess you're never going to inherit a house up in Maine and a bunch of cars and all all this person's money. So, I wasn't looking forward to that, anyways. No, because who would want that? They're a lot of responsibility. <laughs> it is. <laughs> <laughs> Our phone number seven eight one eight three seven forty nine hundred. Lines are open if you want to join us and talk about. Your car, your car problems, I don't know, maybe somebody's leaving you, maybe you did something nice and they're leaving you some money, I don't know. Um, Somebody wrote in and said, I'm doing a little maintenance today. I don't know why they're doing it today, but they said they're doing a little, on their 2002 Honda Accord, and they noticed the alternator output is 14.5 volts, and their question is, is that okay? Well, if I didn't look it up, I would say typical alternator output is somewhere between eh, 13.8 and 14.7 volts. Every once in a while, there's a GM car that's up around 15. Um, but Honda uses a little slower, a little lower number. They their specification is 13.5 volts, but that's assuming you have a fully charged battery with a uh, 100% state of charge, which is 12.6 volts, and it also it's on a 70 degree day so the lower the temperature the higher the output voltage because the alternator is working harder to charge the battery so depending on the temperature the battery health and state of charge 14 and a half volts could be normal um if you check the battery and it's 13.6 volts and it's a you know 60 degree day outside and you run out there with your meter and you check the alternator output and you go hey this is still you know 14.4 is it a little high? Is it going to cause a problem? Again, if I didn't look up the specification, I absolutely would say, nope, it's fine. It's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. Uh, somebody else writes in, and they took delivery of a 2023 Ford Raptor, so high-performance Ford truck, uh, in May of this year. And last week, for no reason at all, the battery was deader than dead. I love that expression. Um, I was able to jumpstart it and basically all week have not had any issues. However, I've been using one of my battery maintainers, so like a battery tender. This one is 5 amps, 12 volts. Uh, I use it when it's home. Uh, when driving, the initial dash voltage reads 
Uh, readout F starting is about 13 volts, but more commonly it's 14 to almost 15 volts. I don't love the idea that the battery was deader than dead for uh, for its future longevity. My question is, how urgent do you think I uh, it is that I get to, that I take it to the dealer and ask for a replacement? That's assuming they'll even give me one if it shows good now. Um, hmm. First off, I don't like a 5-amp battery maintainer. That's a little hot. Um, most of the battery tenders and uh, even even the uh, more sophisticated ones typically are a lot less than that. Slower, is, slower lower is better. Kind of like cooking ribs, I guess. Um, you want to, you know, the small battery tender junior, for instance, is about a half an amp. The battery tender that's been around forever and ever and ever, um, I have one that is like in a metal case. I don't know how old it is. Um, and I have a newer one that's in a plastic case, the newer version. But they're both uh, an amp and a quarter. Uh, five amps is a lot. Um, I mean, they could be smart enough that it turns itself down. But putting five amps worth of current into a battery um, is just going to shorten its life a little bit. So I'd prefer something under an amp and a half. Also, yeah, you're absolutely right. If you go to the dealer and say, hey, my battery went dead, can you test it? And they look at it now and it's fully charged and the alternator is doing what it's supposed to. Probably they're going to tell you to have a nice day. Um, I suspect there was something else going on. Some sort of high electrical discharge. You know, did, did a door not close completely? Did something not shut off? What some sort of parasitic drain that absolutely killed that battery, especially now where you've been driving the truck for a week and you haven't had any problems. So I'm curious whether something just didn't shut off. Were the automatic headlights on manual setting and you got out normally thinking that, uh, you know, I shut the car, I shut the truck off, close the door, headlights stay on for a minute, I'm going to go in the house not look at it since and the parking light stayed on the entire night or something like that uh that maybe caused it or something defective in the vehicle like the you know pump inside the the uh gas tank that looks for evap leaks or some something um you know was there something that stayed on that caused the battery drain that's the way it looked uh somebody wrote to me and they i think they were kind of mad at me and they said they have a um, Honda, and the information screen was frozen, and your suggestion for disconnecting the battery has caused the check engine light with the key in the on position to come on and blink five times, and then it goes out. Um, I've driven it over 200 miles, and it still blinks. Got a rejection sticker at inspection because they said uh, it is... Not ready to get inspected. Yeah, um, when you disconnect the battery in the car and hold the two battery cables together, it completely discharges the electrical system and sort of reboots the computer, for want of a better word. Because when you disconnect the battery on some cars, what it does is it... Um, is it uh, Disconnects everything, but doesn't totally uh, empty the computer out, for want of a better word. Uh, it's the capacitors uh, will 
maintain voltage and stuff will still stay the way you left it but when you hold the two battery cables together it discharges the capacitors in the system and it brings it back to zero um, generally driving at a hundred miles or so will um, make it work Honda is sort of interesting because and maybe other cars do this too and I've just never noticed uh, but when you turn the key on on a Honda, and if not all the monitors are set, the check engine light will flash five times. If all the monitors are set and you turn the key to the on position, the ch check engine light will come on for a second and then just shut off. So you know when the monitors are set. Now, depending on the type of driving you're doing, um, it can make a difference in whether all the monitors set or not. Because what happens is they have to go through a certain procedure to set. And part of what it is is the um, this kind of procedure is and you can kind of you can kind of speed it up a little bit. Um, you can kind of cheat. So the drive cycle for Honda vehicles is and that's what they, they call it. They call it monitor drive cycle. And for Honda vehicles, is you start the, you start the engine and you let the car idle for about 20 seconds. And you don't touch the accelerator. You just start it up, let it idle. And then you rev the engine to about 2,000 RPM. So not higher, not lower. Right around 2,000 RPM, which isn't super high, but it's a little higher than what you're probably normally used to. Um and also important is the temperature, the engine temperature should be about a third of the scale or higher. So the engine should be in its warm-up phase at that point. Um, and then you rev the engine at 2,000 RPM for about three minutes. Um, then you let it idle again for 20 seconds. Then you go to the high, you go on the highway and you drive between 50 and 60 miles an hour for 20 minutes. You should be in drive, not any lower gear don't utilize cruise control and at some point in the journey you should coast for about 90 seconds take your foot off the accelerator then you need to go and drive around the city and drive for about 10 minutes in this time you know do a little bit of coasting a little stop and go driving and all of that also you need to make sure that the fuel tank is somewhere between say two-thirds and three-quarters full because the evap test so if you have a you have a, a, a evap monitor which is the evaporative emission systems if the evap monitor hasn't set um it'll show the monitor not ready well it won't test if it's almost out of gas so under a quarter or too full if it's between three quarters and a full tank it doesn't test it then it wants to test it when the gas tanks like at a half half tank uh, because it works best then so you need to make sure fuel levels are where they should be and then once completed you need to let the vehicle you know once you did all that driving and idling and all that sort of stuff um, you let the vehicle uh, turn off so shut it off let it sit for 30 minutes with the engine off, and then restart it. And then hopefully, at that point, all the monitors are set. So you've sped up what normally could take 
and again, two hundred. They said they've driven two hundred miles, but if they drove two hundred miles just on the highway with the cruise control on, maybe it wouldn't work. If they drove two hundred miles with um, the fuel tank always full, not going to work. You have to do all these things together. So the other thing is. Uh, and I'm surprised the, wherever they went to go get an inspection didn't tell them what monitor is holding them up. And depending on the age of this car, which I don't remember if they said or not. Um, I don't remember. But whatever the age of this car. Oh, 2013. Uh, in a lot of cases, you can have one monitor that's not set. So depending on where, I don't know where they live, but... Um, you can, uh, if there's one, and in older cars, um, you can have, I think, up to two monitors that are not set. But in newer cars, you can still have one that's not set. And although it will flash, the light will flash five times, um, the car's 10 years old now, so I th- you can usually squeak by. So uh, with one, depending on what the monitor is, if it's a catalytic converter monitor, it has to it has to be set. So this could be a combination of things. So um, sorry that disconnecting the battery caused a secondary issue, but uh, you are rebooting the computer, which again clears all of the memory, and all of the stuff has to kind of relearn again. Is, is probably the only way to say it. Why don't we take another break, pay some bills. Uh, Jesse, if you have some Christmas music lined up, you can play it if you like, if you have nothing else to do. Uh, but if not, that's okay. Uh, my name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. You're listening to 95.9 WATD. Our phone number is 781-837-4900. If you'd like to join us and talk about cars, batteries, carrying your Christmas tree on the roof, whatever you want to talk about, we can talk about it here on the Car Doctor Program, only on 95.9 WATD. We'll be right back. AAA is with you at every moment in your life. They have 24-hour 7 roadside assistance, which covers you in any car you're driving or riding in, even a rental or your friend's wheels. They have great member rates on home and auto insurance, savings on travel, hotels and rental cars, and discounts on hundreds of your favorite brands. You're covered on and off the road. Learn more at aaa.com join. Didn't get a new car for the holidays? One appointment at Bottoms Up Detail in Norwell or Marshfield will help make your car look like new. And for everyone on your Christmas list you couldn't give a new car to, gift certificates to Bottoms Up Detail are the next best thing. Between now and Christmas, you receive significant savings on every gift certificate you purchase. Just think of the smile on their face driving their clean car. Bottoms Up Detail, Route 53 in Norwell and Route 139 Marshfield. Or online at BottomsUpDetail.com. Evans, tune into Twilight Showcase Radio, hosted by Sandy Stride and Keith James on 95.9 WATD and also at 95.9WATD.com. Search for Twilight Showcase on Facebook and visit TwilightShowcase.org. Twilight Showcase, tonight from 8 to 10 on 95.9 WATD. And welcome back to the Car Doctor program. And I am apologizing here because apparently Jesse sent me messages that we had people on hold. And 
I didn't read my messages. So, uh, Michael, I'm sorry. You've been on hold for so long. Story of my life. I'll tell I you. know. I know. I know. Uh, I, I should have just started with due to high call volume, uh, because that seems to be the answer to everything these days. And every place you call, it seems to be due to high call volume, your time on hold may be longer than expected. Absolutely, I agree. <laughs> the reason I'm calling is one to wish you a Merry Christmas. Well, thank you. Same and, to you. And, and also uh, to ask you a question. I was watching the early news today, and they did a uh, photo shot of the L.A. Auto Show, which I've attended, especially when I was working, quite a bit. And my question is, why can't Boston, A, have an auto show, or B, have an auto show somewhere, 50% of what the L.A. Auto Show is? I mean, we have a big bunch of drivers here. We spend a lot of money on cars. What happened? You know, it was um, it was kind of funny. Uh, the, the the people that were running the Boston Auto Show was a group called the Paragon Group. And they've been running the Boston Auto Show for forever, um, and they were in the old uh, you know convention center in South Boston, there Bayside, and yep. they ran out of space. They had more cars than they knew what to do with. All the manufacturers showed up. Uh, the manufacturers hated Bayside because it had such low ceilings. They couldn't put their big displays in. And then, you know, Mayor Menino built the, you know, Boston Convention Center. And then they said, well, because it's a, a, it's a, a, a government-type thing, you can't have gated shows. You can't charge admission to get in. And then Apple had their thing, and they said, well, Apple's different because it's a cult. I don't know, something. They they were able to get in the Apple show at uh, the Boston Convention Center. And then um, Paragon Group went to the mayor's office and said, look, if you can do that, can't we do that? Can't we make some arrangements? And there was something, there was something and I don't know the, the particulars, but there was something about the uh, Christmas Village that the auto dealers agreed to pay for the Christmas Village, and somehow they get into the convention center. There was some silly story that went along with that. And the convention center, you know, everything looked like it was doing pretty well. And then they had that RV show that happened on the weekend of the five days of the auto show, and they actually had a good turnout. They had high floor traffic. They did it over um, Martin Luther King weekend, which everybody thought wasn't going to be a good weekend. They had crazy foot traffic through there. They were really happy. Then COVID hit, and everything fell apart. And that, and then the manufacturers decided, maybe we don't need to be at every auto show. And it was kind of funny. The Detroit auto show this year, um, it looked pretty empty. And there wasn't, you know, a lot of the manufacturers weren't there. I saw some of the photos from the uh, from the L.A. auto show. It didn't look like the press crowd it used to be. It didn't look like the vehicle crowd. I think the manufacturers are all starting to, you know, they, they'll still do the high-profile show, and they'll, stu- they'll still show up at SEMA. They'll still show up at CES. But it looks like, you know, New York, New York was generally a pretty big show. It was sort of the end of the season in April, but it was a pretty big show. This year, that whole lower level of the Javits Center was sort of a electric vehicle ride and drive. They didn't get the vehicles showing up either. So I think it's just a weird time that we're in right now. And you're right. When Boston went to the new convention center, every auto manufacturer said there's no reason why, you know, this may never be a class A show like Detroit or L.A. or New York, but it will be a real solid class B show like Chicago and Miami. And it just 
it didn't happen. Well, I miss it. Uh, I miss it. You know, I used to go to the CES shows all the time. Yep. And they were certainly on the rise as before I retired. Uh, but, I mean, I, it's just I miss it. I mean, I, yep. mean, I like go kicking tires and stuff like that. It was a great a great show to go to, and I just, like I said, I miss it. I, 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 I miss it, too. I, you know, I, yeah. I, it was a bunch of times I did my program from the show. I always, I always like going to I always like going to the auto show and, you know, like uh, – um, the folks from uh, Paragon said, you know, one ticket to 200 seats of cars. So, you know, you could go around, you could look at all the cars and, you know, get in and out of them, see what see what looks good and what doesn't. And, you know, on, and in most cases, nobody tried to sell you a car. They were just, you know, explaining to you what the car was all about. I, I always found it educational and fun to do when my wife liked going because we ended up going out to dinner afterwards. So it all worked out. <laughs> there you go. Hey, thanks right. very much. All me. right. Take care, Mike. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And now let's go to Tom in Kingston. Thomas? Hello. Hello. Question. I can't get into a complete story. But um, I just bought a vehicle. We just bought new tires from uh, Costco's. Okay. And they're Michelin. Okay. And what Costco did is they put nitrogen in their tires. Lucky you. Two questions. First one, will Michelin honor any problems with them? I know back in the days when Sears used to carry Michelin's, if you went to a Michelin dealer, they would not honor it because yeah, they but they Sears yeah, effect. yeah, but they they didn't say the Michelin tires of Sears didn't say Michelin. They just said Sears, I don't know, road handler or something. They okay. were made by Michelin, but they weren't really Michelin's. Where the ones you bought at Costco actually say Michelin on the side, right? They do. Yeah. So yeah, that's a Michelin. What tire. does the nitrogen mean to me? Um, something new to me. Nothing. Um, Thank you. Uh, okay, bye-bye now. <laughs> yeah. No, it's um, the air you're breathing right now is 78% nitrogen and, I don't know, 21% oxygen and, you know, something else. Um, uh, nitrogen is drier air, um, so it doesn't have the moisture content as regular air does. Um, the molecules of nitrogen are fatter than regular air. So they tend not to seep out of the tires as much. So you'll notice the tires will hold their pressure a little bit better. Um, okay. Did you pay extra for nitrogen? I didn't pay anything. It came from came with it. And came I guess with it. Based on what the person told us, no, they did it automatically for them. Yeah. Maybe well, we'll that, on. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that means that you know. Normally, what happens is, and they'll usually put a green valve cap cover on it that lets you know it's nitrogen. Yep. And um, people pay like 50 bucks to put nitrogen wow, in the tires. Okay. Yeah. So um, would I ever do it? No. It's got, you get free air. It's got 78% nitrogen in it. Um, um, <laughs> There's no real know, advantage to it other than a little bit of this and a little bit of that? That's it. That's it. Nothing, nothing more. And, and in fact, the vehicle manufacturers have said they don't, recommend or not recommend it it's like if you want to put it in you want to put it in but it's sort of a you know you're you're paying for you're paying for air basically mm -hmm. and okay. you're paying you're paying for clean air um but um you know air has got 78 percent nitrogen and if you and if you remember if you're uh if you're a geek like I am for weird information, you know, the old Star Trek TV series, every time they went to a strange planet, they'd go, oh, this is a Class M planet. It's 78% nitrogen, 21% oxygen, and, you know, 
inert materials or something. Mm. Because that's what air is. It's 78% yeah. And in theory, and I don't know why this doesn't happen. In theory, you fill your tires with air. The skinny sure. molecules leak out. Well, wouldn't it leave the fat nitrogen molecules? I don't know. Maybe. But, you know, somebody, sure. smart, somebody smarter than me has got to figure that out. You know, and, you know, the... But it's just, at the end of the day, it's just air. That sounds good. Okay. I hope you have a good rest of the weekend. As 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 will you and, uh, you know. We get your I'll, weather up here. Uh, it's yeah. like 60 degrees right now. Yeah, and, and it's and it's going to be like 50-mile-an-hour winds, so it's going to be like hurricane season. So. la 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 Yeah, exactly. All right, <laughs> exactly. take care, John. All right, take care, Mike. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, yeah, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't buy nitrogen. It's just, uh, to me, that doesn't make sense and it was it's funny it's it used to be um people would use nitrogen tanks to run things like before everybody had battery operated uh air wrenches uh or battery operated impact wrenches like at racetracks and stuff they would rather than have a compressor run and they would they would run their air tools off of um nitrogen tanks uh, and then battery stuff came out and made it better hey that music means we need to go so until next week Uh, Make sure you wear your seatbelt, drive safely, be good to your car. And if you see an emergency vehicle by the side of the road, slow down or move over. It saves lives. Talk to you all next week. Bye-bye.